Yeah, so thank you. I'm glad to be able to be up here and, and to share the word. And as Pastor Mark said, it is a, a unique topic. So we'll get to that in a moment. Because we're taking these four weeks of March to dive into the theme of how to love your neighbor. We recognize from Scripture that this is a premier component of our lives as believers, that everything we do is relational. And in response to the question of which commandment is the most important, we read in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 31, that Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So I think we can see here from scripture, from Jesus' own mouth, that loving our neighbor is a very important thing for us as his followers, that we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we seem to be in a season, I think, where there is this stirring in our hearts and our minds along these lines. I don't know if you're feeling it, but I feel like there we are desiring collectively and personally that our family members, that our loved ones, our friends, our, our peers, that they would come to know, to love, and, and to walk with Jesus. I think many of us are sensing that their coming to know and love Jesus often happens through us. And where we may have felt, well, I don't know if I should say anything, there's like this bubbling up within us a little bit these days. That, that we need to do something, and, and how do we best do that? And so during the spring season, we're focusing our attention on how to love our neighbor and how to tell our neighbor about Jesus with this emphasis that we're calling day one. Hopefully you've heard a little bit about it, and that every single person has the opportunity to have his or her own day one. That as he or she comes to know Jesus and experience his love and salvation in life, it can be the first day one for them. So just as Jesus, you know, cut time in half and said on his day of resurrection that that was day one for us as believers, we each, when we come to Christ, we can have our own day one. Like this is the first day of the rest of our lives as we follow him. And so we're hoping that our friends and our loved ones would be able to do the same, whether it's their first day one or maybe it's their umpteenth day one. As they realign and as they say, I'm going to follow the Lord. That's our hope and our goal. And we have a number of events during this day one emphasis that will prepare our own hearts to love our neighbors as ourselves and share the message of the kingdom. First, we're taking time to pray. We're, over the last few weeks, we've distributed these prayer one or these day one prayer cards. There's going to be all kinds of ones and things going on today. Day one prayer cards. And we're writing down the names of our friends, our loved ones, and those people that God has just placed on our hearts. And we're saying, God, we want you to intervene in their lives in some way. So if you have not picked up a, one of these cards, or you're like, I need another one. Fantastic. There are some out in the Connection Center on the, the table out there. We'd love for you to grab that, begin to build your list. Because this isn't just a... a from now until Easter emphasis. This is like lifelong, that we're going to be praying for these people. And as they come to know Christ, new people are going to be coming and being added to our lists. Amen? Amen. So we want these individuals to find 
the Lord in some way. And so we're praying for them. We're praying and we're having prayer events most days of the week. In your bulletin, you should have seen that the whole front page is covered with the, uh, the prayer events that are happening this week, and they even roll on to the, the back side. And so I, we encourage you, over this week and next week and all the way through Easter, we're having these home prayer events where we will gather together, and we're going to pray with each other for our friends, our loved ones, our peers, the people on our prayer cards that God has laid on our hearts. And we're going to be now, in these next few weeks, also looking for opportunities where we can begin to share that love with them. So I encourage you to find one of these home prayer groups to get involved with and and be a part of it. You can find them in the bulletin or in the the Church Center app. In addition to taking time to pray, we're taking time to prepare. We are looking for ways that we can intentionally connect with people. Those people especially that God has laid on our hearts that we've put on these cards. And we're seeing how we can love them and walk with them on their faith journey, wherever they're at in it. And as an avenue for this, we have the follow book. And you maybe heard a little bit about this. We are, it's, a, it's a resource that we can use that will help someone really understand what it means to follow Christ. And there are seven attributes of someone who is a Christ follower. And there's another seminar that we have that's going to help people walk through what is this all about. So we know that there's been about 50 people who have already walked through this. Again, next Sunday, uh, the 19th, right after service, there's going to be another one of these seminars. It's going to just help you to understand and be equipped and just see where God might lead you over not only these next few weeks leading up until Easter, but beyond, and see what God would do through each one of us. And as we pray and prepare, we look to God to provide opportunities to love those individuals, to love people all around us. We look for ways that God would open the door for us to share with or minister to that person, to show them Jesus' love, perhaps in some really tangible ways that God might be asking us to minister to them. And we have the opportunity then to invite them to church or to be a part of things that, you know, there will be church people that will be there and that we can just intermingle with. And they can see that Christians aren't wacky people, at least not in and of themselves. You might be wacky on your own, but it's not because you're a Christian. It's just because you are who you are. <laughs> I, I will claim that one. So I encourage you to be open to the leading of the Spirit in those ways to pray for people, to be involved in these home prayer events, to intentionally minister and interact with people in ways that they will see the love of Christ. So in these four Sundays of March, we're exploring then how to love our neighbor. Last Sunday, Pastor Paul kicked us off with an awesome message on building relationships. And as I was sitting in the service last week, I was listening to him and I just thought, Because I hadn't fully developed my sermon either, I said, crud, I have to follow that. (laughs) Just being real, just being honest. But I know that God has a word for us today. And it is something that is unique and we don't hear a lot about. So let me ask this before we dive in. How many of you would say that you're a talker? You love to talk to people. You don't even have to talk to people. You'll talk to the wall for about 30 minutes and you're like, that was an awesome conversation. 
I'm not one of those people. That is a, a tough thing. But as we, you know, we may have something that we have to say, but today we're going to talk about the other side of that. And we're going to look at this aspect of building relationships that can often get overlooked. So the title of my message today is Loving by Listening. And some of you are like, that's so nebulous. I need something more direct. Okay, so for those of you who need something more direct, the title for you would be Shut It. (laughs) So on that note, I think we need to turn to the Word of God. So take your Bible and head to Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at a few stories and accounts where Jesus is going to model this for us. And for those of us who have chosen to believe in Jesus and live by that faith in him, we set him as the model or the pattern for our lives, right? So we're going to look at two examples where Jesus models this. The first one is in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46. And it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So there's a couple of quick things to note before we look at the next example. One, I want you to notice how the crowd around Jesus responded to Bartimaeus. They rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. They basically said, quit your hollering. You don't matter. Just shut up and be, just stay where you're at. They said, he doesn't have time for you right now. But Jesus, if you notice, he stopped. He responded to Bartimaeus' cries for his attention. He stopped the entire procession. Because they were leaving Jericho, and the next place that they were going was Jerusalem. So he, he had a journey to make, a few miles, and so there was this group that was around him. And he stopped everything because he heard the cries of Bartimaeus, and he said, I need to hear this man. I need to understand what he is needing. And so he stops, and he asks what Bartimaeus would like him to do. And at first glance, we might say, um, Jesus, the man's blind. He just needs to have his sight given back to him. It seems kind of silly that you would even ask that. But in doing so, Jesus wants to hear directly from Bartimaeus what the issue is and what he wants done. He makes no assumptions about what Bartimaeus wants. Bartimaeus may have been content to be a blind man, and he just wanted food or whatever it might have been. 
But he allows Bartimaeus to speak for himself. And he hears what Bartimaeus is saying. And in that, Jesus demonstrates to Bartimaeus and to the crowd around him that Bartimaeus is valued. That he is worthy of his attention. That he is loved and that he is accepted. Let's look at a second example in Luke chapter 24. And this is going to be another one of Jesus listening to what is going on. And here, to give you a little bit of the backstory, we're going to look at something that happened on the day of Jesus' resurrection. The very first Easter Sunday, day one. And Jesus is risen, and there's now all of this news of his resurrection that is spreading. And there's a, quite a commotion that's going on about what has happened over the last few days. So we're going to pick up the story in Luke 24, verse 13. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, It is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So notice in the story how Jesus allowed these two men to share about all that had just happened. Things that Jesus had just experienced. Like, yeah, I just went through that. You know, and I could just, if it were me, I'd be thinking all these things in my head, like, yep, I just went through that. Yep, that just happened to me. But he took time to listen to their stories, their, their perspectives, their feelings about what had just happened, their concerns regarding all these crazy events of the last few days, and noticed that he asked just a few simple questions to get them talking. What are you guys talking about? And they're like, the things that have just happened. What things? And it just allowed them that opportunity to just share what they've experienced, what they've been through. He did not interject any of his thoughts until after they had fully shared their stories. And only then did he share with them. He gave them the opportunity to say everything that they needed to say. And then he spoke. And again, notice that what he presented was in response 
to what they had shared. He didn't come in with an agenda. He didn't come in with something specific that he was going to say. He heard what they said, and then he responded. He observed their condition. He began to feel what they felt, and only then did he speak to meet them where they were at. So as we draw some principles from the stories of Bartimaeus and the two men who are walking to Emmaus, we see that Jesus showed each one of them by fully listening to them that they were valued, that they were worthy, accepted, and loved. And I think that's one of the main principles that we can gather from these stories, these accounts where Jesus was listening, is that when we listen, we show the individual that they are valued, that they are worthy, that they are accepted, and that they are loved. For Bartimaeus, he stopped what he was doing, and he turned his attention to Bartimaeus. He gave him his undivided attention to listen to what Bartimaeus wanted and needed. For the traveling men, he entered their conversation and allowed them to keep on sharing. Their account of what had happened, their perspectives on it all, their feelings, their thoughts, and every single person we know, each person that we may bump into has a story. Each one of us in this room has a story to tell. Some of us may say, yeah, mine's not very exciting. That may be true, but you still have a story. You have experienced things in life that perhaps no one else has experienced, or it might be something that you think, I'm one of the few or one of the only ones, and someone else has. And there can be empathy, and there can be a bond there as well as you value them. And we can often demonstrate God's love by listening to their story and allowing them to share it with us. A few years ago, a pastor in Orlando did an informal poll on social media. And he asked his followers, and he's like, my tens of followers, how do you feel when you are listened to and when you aren't listened to? And here were some of the responses that he got. For those who felt like they were listened to, they felt accept or appreciated, valued, respected, loved, accepted, validated, worthy, significant, and known. But when they did not feel like they were listened to, these were things that they felt. Disrespected, ignored, cast out, unworthy, alone, invisible, insignificant, unloved, and rejected. I hope that you can see and hear some stark differences between these two outlooks. And just by listening to someone, that person will feel appreciated, valued, known, and more. In many ways, that is a great communication of the gospel message and the heart of the gospel. That we can show someone that they are worthy, that they are known, that they are appreciated when we just listen to them with undivided attention. But when we don't listen through inattention or we talk over someone or we just dismiss them, they feel disrespected. They feel unworthy, rejected, and more. When we give space for our family and friends to share and they they feel that they are being hurried, we communicate that they are loved and valued and we demonstrate the very heart of Jesus and the message of the kingdom. 
Another principle that I think we can draw from Jesus' example is this. When we listen, we begin to understand what viewpoint our friends are coming from and what life situations they have been through. And then we can talk to them accordingly. Before we assume that we are experts on a person's life, let's take the time to hear what he or she has to say. This allows us to understand better what they are thinking and feeling, what they've been through, and how they view their situation. Think about Bartimaeus and Jesus' interaction with him. Jesus knew, as a son of God, what Bartimaeus needed. But he asked Bartimaeus to share, and Jesus listened, and then he responded. As he walked with the men going to Emmaus, he asked them an open-ended question about the events they were discussing. And this allowed them to share not only their narrative of the recent events, but also their emotions, their confusion, their, their jumble of thoughts that were happening over everything that had just happened. They, you know, in scripture, they said, we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. It doesn't look like that happened, so... I have no idea what's going on right now. And in both of the accounts, Jesus allowed the individuals to talk while he listened. And this allowed him to get on the same page that they were. And then when they had shared, he could then respond. Now, as many of you know, I play piano. Um, And I play uh, piano for uh, the high school in Grafton, in the middle school. And I play for a lot of their events. Um, I've been able to build a little bit of a relationship with the, the choir director and even the band director. And so I get asked to help play for different things. And uh, not, this, not yesterday, but the two weekends prior, I was able to play at their solo and ensemble festivals. And so in a short amount of time, uh, you get to learn a whole slew of songs. So I learned about 43 songs in about three weeks. Um, some of them, thank the Lord, I had already seen Um, But there were enough where there was a little stress in the house. Um, Like, I don't know how this one's going to go. But as I learned them, and, you you know, in a sense, you learn in a vacuum. Because you're trying to figure out, okay, how fast does this song need to go? What, what kind of sound does this need to be? What are the, what, what are the, what is the soloist going to accent? What are they going to try to do? And you get a, they, We have two times where I will usually meet with the individual during school, play, and run through the songs, and you do that in about seven or eight minutes. And you're trying to just make sure, okay, is that a good tempo? Does that feel good? What do we need to focus on? You know, uh, do we need to slow things down or anything like this? So you get to the solo and ensemble festival events, and my goal is that I'm listening intently to what they are doing what they are singing. And because at least I've had two opportunities to practice with them, I also begin to know what some of their hang-ups are in that short amount of time. Like, okay, this person has a hard time counting. So I'm going to have to be like all over the board and try to make sure that I can hear where they're at. So not only am I learning the piano part, I'm also trying to hear what the vocal part is. And say, okay, they're hitting that right there. I need to scoot ahead and get to that. Even though I'm on and I'm doing my thing, I know that this is where I need to be. Like, I'm counting whether you are or not. 
But my goal is not to be the one who takes over. I'm not the one who needs to, like, make sure that it all happens. I need to make sure that it happens for them. I need to hear where they are at. I need to hear, oops, they messed up and they forgot a whole verse. So let me find whatever page that's on and get to that verse really fast so that hopefully we will end on the same note. It's always a beautiful thing when you're listening to music, right? Because if not, oh, train wreck is happening now. Come watch. So I think from that experience, I've learned that I need to listen. I need to be ready to listen and hear and understand what someone is saying and what someone is really saying. And it is important to love our neighbors by listening to them so that we can understand what note or page they are on and to get synced up with them. As Christians and as believers, we do have the answer. We have the answer that they need. But we may need to take some time to get there where we can share that with them. We may need to understand the experience that they have been going through so that we can speak to that. They might have the messiest of situations. And number first and foremost, they may just need to have their heart restored and put back together. We may need to present Jesus as the one who loves and who restores. They may need to know that the mess that they're in, all of the, the, the drama that's happening in their life, that God can work little by little to make things right. Whether they need healing, whether they need provision, whether they need him to just come and rescue them and deliver them from the, their situation completely. But if we go in with our agenda and we say, well, Jesus saves and that's what you need to know. Otherwise, you're going to hell. We may need to stop and take a step back and realize, yes, I have the truth and the truth is on my side. But they are not ready to hear that right now. They'll, they'll be willing to listen after you've taken some time to listen. And so we will likely have an opportunity to share aspects of his character as we listen and as we empathize with that person and the, the situation that they're going through. And here's the reality. If you've ever noticed in your social interactions, there's a little bit of a law of reciprocation. I let you speak for a few minutes, and then you let me speak. How was your weekend? Blah, 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 blah. And they in turn say, well, how was your weekend? I let you speak for a minute or two. A lot of times they'll let you speak for a minute or two. Now, that's not a hard and fast rule, and you're not going to be, you know, committed or sent to jail if you don't, you know, abide by that. But there's a little bit of that reciprocation that can happen in those interactions when we take that time. Now, a few years ago, I was blessed to be a part of a cohort where we were discussing spiritual direction. And so a lot of these 
things that I'm sharing and will share still, I've learned just through that time of being able to sit and, and listen. That was a main message of the whole thing was you sit, you listen to people, you are attuned, and you are ready for what they are going to say. And you allow the individual to speak. And there might be some things that kind of bubble up and, and surface that allow you to then speak life or help direct the conversation a little bit. And while I would love to say I'm an expert, I am definitely not. I'm still growing in listening. I, I feel like even last night we had some family over and we were just talking and there were times that I would just jump in and, and say something, kind of cutting them off and like, oh, talking about listening tomorrow. That's a really bad example. But I think the good news is no matter where you are at in the spectrum of being able to listen, you can always grow and do better and take that time. And that's my encouragement this morning. So here's a few practical things. There's two Bible verses uh, that I found as far as practical wisdom concerning this idea of loving, loving by listening. The first one is Proverbs 18.2, and I'll just tell you right now before we even read it, it's pretty blunt in its instruction, but it says this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. My encouragement would be, don't be a fool. It's pretty strong language, but a fool only finds pleasure in saying what he wants to say. He doesn't care about what you have to say or think or anything like that. So let's try not to be a fool. James 1.19 gives us a target that we can aim our lives toward. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I think having this kind of attitude indicates wisdom and love toward that person. The listener is willing to put the other person before themselves. Yes, we may have the answer. We may know it backwards, forward, side to side. But when we humble ourselves and allow them to speak, we show them that they are worthy and that they are loved. And we can help them to speak by us taking time to just listen and understand them first. So just how can we listen well? Like I said, I, I'm not an expert but I'm trying to do better and better all the time. But I've got a few practical things that I've just discovered, especially over these last few years. One would be work on being an active listener. You simply allow the other person to do much of the talking. You put all of your focus on their words. You put your phone down. You try to tune out any other distraction that might be happening. And you don't focus on what you want to say next. You focus just on what they're saying. And there might be some things that the Spirit will bring to mind, and you just kind of file it until that opportune moment. And if they pause, here's a, here's a trick that I did learn, and this has come in very valuable ways. If they pause, that doesn't mean that you go ahead and start speaking. Sometimes, and here's the phrase that I learned, let silence do the heavy lifting. What I mean by that is sometimes we let silence just continue like whatever process they're in and we can trust that the Holy Spirit is going to be at work as well. 
So when we allow silence to take shape, they may, you know, we all have those awkward silences in a conversation, and you're like, oh, I need to say something. Well, maybe hold back as much as, you might be bursting inside, but if you hold back, they may feel compelled then to keep sharing and to explain it even further so that you can get even that greater round picture of what they've experienced and what is going on. So know this. Listening requires full attention, focused concentration, and careful thinking. Second thing is that as we listen, we try to do three things. We try to hear, we try to understand, and we try to feel. We want to demonstrate that we've heard what the other person is saying. And there might be times that we say, I heard you say, blah, blah, blah. That can be a great way as part of that active listening, that I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I'm, I'm in tune with you right now. We also want to demonstrate that we've understood what the other person is saying, perhaps by summarizing their words in our own words, and thus that we are engaged in what they've been saying. We're, we're going deep. We're trying to understand exactly what they're saying. And then we want to demonstrate that we empathize with the person's emotions by describing what they're feeling. You've said that you're frustrated. I'm sensing that. You sense, or you said that this is something that makes you always happy. I can really see that in how you're telling the story. A third thing would be, tell me more. This is a great phrase to use to keep the conversation going. They're sharing about this, the pause happens, and you're like, um, they, they don't seem to be even biting at the awkward silence. Tell me more about that. I'd like to hear more about what that experience has been like for you. Tell me more can be a great way. And when you do so in a genuine manner, you honor the other person because you're demonstrating again that you're interested in them and what they are saying. That this time that you're having together is valuable. A fourth thing would be to be present and attentive. Put away things that distract. Ignore your cell phone. Turn off the TV. Stop folding laundry. Work hard to ignore even those distracting thoughts that always pop up. Like you're talking to someone, you've got 15,000 things going on all at once. Try to block those out as much as you can. And if you're even like, all of those things are happening, you're like, nope, I'm listening. Nope, I'm listening. Nope, I'm listening. Like you may have to do that. And a lot of this comes through just you training yourself and it gets easier. The first few times, <laughs> yeah, you're all over the board and like, oh, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> you were swimming where? What? Any of those things. And you may just have to put them aside, work hard at that, and, and really just stay present and attentive to the individual. Finally, ask the Holy Spirit to help. When you're in these conversations, know that the Holy Spirit will guide you in exactly what you need to do, if anything, and when. He will help you listen to the other person, and you can listen to his guidance. You can ask him for a discernment on what to do with what you are hearing, 
and he will guide you and direct you as you open yourself to his leading. Scripture talks about when you go into different places and you are questioned and you are asked, that the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to say. And we can trust in that. So even as you're listening, you can maybe have the quick distracting thought of, Holy Spirit, I just need your help right now. I want to stay attuned. I want to be present. I want to know them to know that I am with them and that I am listening to them. So help me, Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back to the platform at this time. As we close, we've been called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And each one of us has different individuals in our circles. You have people in your sphere of influence whom I may never meet. You have people that you interact with that only you can minister to. And you can love them and minister to them in a powerful way. You can build relationship with them and demonstrate God's love to them directly. And one way we can do all of this is to listen. We love them by listening to them. And again, it's not something that's natural to most of us. But it is a practice that can demonstrate to a person that he or she is valued, loved, and accepted. And as we do so, we can understand him or her better and gain the opportunity to speak the appropriate message of the kingdom of God into their lives. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, we come to you today with grateful hearts. We come to you as your children who are wanting to be faithful followers of you. We want to go where you call us to go. We want you we want to speak the things that you want us to speak. We want to love our neighbors just as you have loved us. And so Lord, I ask right now that you would help us each to be better listeners, to be ones who will love our neighbors by listening to them, showing them that they are valued, that they are worthy of attention, that they are loved not only by you, but by us. And Lord, we simply want to convey and demonstrate that love to our family and our friends, our neighbors. Help us, Lord, to build relationships with our neighbors, those individuals that you have been and are placing on our hearts, those people that we may have already written on our day one prayer cards, and those ones that you are still laying on our hearts. Help us to love each of them by listening to them. Let us have open and humble ears that listen hearts that are ready to accept them as they are and to minister to them the love of Jesus, showing them that they are valued and worthy to be known and loved. Help us to grow in this area for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name.
as the worship team is going to lead us in song here in a moment, I just encourage you to join in worshiping the Lord and allowing him to speak to your hearts. The altars are going to be open. I and the designated prayer team members are going to be available to pray with you about whatever it might be. We are here for you. So let's worship the Lord together.